All right. Everybody's got Christmas traditions, right? Hopefully one of those has come into church. Um, for us, growing up, we would uh, have the family over to the house on Christmas Eve. All the cousins would come over. We'd play games. We'd eat a lot of food. Uh, but then it sort of happened by accident. They would all go home, and there was always on TV, this was, you young people don't understand, but there was only like three three channels, okay? Um, and I would watch the Christmas Carol. It would be the last thing I would do before I went to bed. The 1938 version. Everybody, everybody know what I'm talking about? The, the ghost of Christmas past. And just, just that's one of my rituals. And tonight, uh, after four services and the physical exhaustion of wearing this suit, uh, I will, um, I, I, after my family's eaten, we'll, uh, we'll go our separate ways and I'll lay in bed and I will watch that old time special again. And, um, I decided this year, besides watching the movie, I wanted to read the book. I just kind of wanted to get a feel for the, the story again. So I got a copy and I was reading it and I dropped it on my foot. Hurt like the Dickens. <clears throat> you like the suit? <laughs> we'll go with that. All right, we've been working our way through the, the, the prophetic passages in the Old Testament. And we've been talking about how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. And mathematically, to fulfill five would be impossible by any one person. Jesus fulfilled over 1,800 prophecies. So people that say you're crazy or you're, you're nuts for having this kind of faith that's based on nothing, they don't know much about history, they don't know anything about the scripture, and they don't know anything about archaeology because it all backs up every one of those stories. And we started with Genesis 3.15 that talks about after Adam and Eve sinned 6,000 years ago that um, Satan would wound mankind's heel but that Jesus would crush the Satan's, Satan's head. And then we talked about Isaiah 7.14, about the virgin being with child. And that's the prophecy that we'll ultimately be celebrating here in just a little bit. And then last week from Hosea 11.1, that he'll be called out of Egypt. Now, there's so many things in that story that you just can't control. First of all, where you're born. There's nothing you and I can do about where we were born. Joseph and Mary don't live in Bethlehem. They live in... Nazareth, that's correct. They live in Nazareth. And there was a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus. They had to go to Bethlehem to register for what? Taxes. Yeah, not much has changed, all right? So they had to go there for taxes. While they're in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to give birth. So that's not where they're at. They travel there. That's where she gives birth. And then we'll get into this tonight. But Herod, who's one of the most despicable people ever to live... Herod puts out a decree that all the babies two years old and under should be killed. And an angel comes to Joseph and says, you guys need to go to Egypt to hide out. So they go and they hide out there, fulfilling Hosea 11.1, that he'll be born in Bethlehem, but he'll be called out of Egypt. All right, 1,800 of those play out in the Old Testament. And so tonight we're going to look at one in the book of Micah and... Modern historians, it's, it's, you know, this is my world, history and archaeology. And, and modern historians refuse to use B.C. and A.D. because A.D. means in the year of our Lord. And so they use B.C.E. and C.E., right? Before current era and current era. So I'm always quick to ask them, when did the current era start? Because all of history is wrapped around one little baby 
His name is Jesus. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it in the year of the Lord. You can call it current era, but that current era started with Jesus. Micah is one of those prophecies we want to look at. So if you'll stand, it's just one verse out of respect for the word and out of respect for God. It says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. You can be seated. All right. So let me tell you the story here. So first of all, it's not ancient times. That's a terrible translation. It is from eternity. The word is eternity. From before time. Because Jesus existed before time. He is God. And so... When Jesus comes, they know what to expect. They're expecting, they're expecting one who's going to be born of a virgin. And this one always gets me because it, it comes out every year about this time. Oh, a lot of stories. There's a lot of stories in history about a virgin birth. The Egyptians have one. The Babylonians have one. The Assyrians have one. The truth is none of those are true. The truth is if you read those stories, there is not another virgin birth story. They specifically point to, to Dionysius, never claims to be a virgin birth. But I'm such a nice guy. I'm going to spot you a virgin birth. What are you going to do about the resurrection from the dead? Even if I spot you a virgin birth. Because they're looking for any reason to not believe in Jesus. And the problem here is Herod... When the wise men come, you have to understand, it's not like your Christmas card. The wise men don't get there until two years later. Mary and Joseph are in a house by then. And they, they show up and they come to Herod and they said, where is this one born king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. Here's the sad part. Herod doesn't know. Anybody remember what he did? He calls in all the Jewish leaders. Apparently it took a whole council of them to figure it out. He brings in a whole group of them and they're like, uh, you know, Micah said something about Bethlehem. Well, here's what's crazy. So Micah's writing 750 years before Jesus. He's a contemporary of Isaiah. And when he writes this, if you read the rest of the book, it's eight chapters. It is God on a rampage. God is so angry at Israel, so angry at Jerusalem. And then in the middle... Of this anger and the judgment, it says, however, however, in Bethlehem, there will be born one who is from ancient times, who will become the ruler of Israel, who will be the savior of all mankind. Just throws that in right there in the middle. But Herod didn't know the prophecies. And what is so tragic today, because nobody reads their Bibles, people run around and say ridiculous things about the Bible or what it says or what it doesn't say. You ought to try reading it. It's amazing if you just read it. What's in there? 1,800 prophecies fulfilled. The only one that hasn't happened is Jesus coming back to get us. So if you're here today and you've got questions, I'm here to tell you. History, the Bible itself, archaeology, all backs it up. Here is the church in Bethlehem. You watch TV tonight. You'll see the Christmas service probably live on every channel. This is called Manger Square in Bethlehem. It's a 6th century church sitting on top of a 4th century church sitting on top of the cave that Jesus was born in. Here's what it looks like inside. It sort of looks like Kmart exploded is what it looks like uh, inside. 
Uh, but if you go underneath all of that, there's a cave. There's a little silver star down on the floor. And I think that's the spot where Jesus was actually born. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. But nobody throughout history has doubted the spot. We knew it was in Bethlehem. And from the earliest historians, they've known actually which cave to go to. All right, So it's not like this is some kind of a mystery. The prophets are all true. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says that out of... Great darkness, God will send the light into the world. Jesus said in John 10, I am the light of the world. And then he said to you and me, we are the light of the world. So the prophecies are there to give us confidence. It's like, well, I just have this blind faith toward God. Well, that's tragic because you don't have to. And I don't believe because I think it's all malarkey. Well, you need to read a book or two. Maybe you ought to... Check out some history because it's all verifiable throughout all of history. Only in modern times have we become smarter than everyone else and we don't believe anything. Uh, that's a tragic state to be in because there are billions of people around the world right now that are doing just what you're doing. They're worshiping Jesus in every language known to man, in every kind of a church building, all different styles of worship, you name it. People by the billions are celebrating Jesus now because historically the story is true. And that's what we're here to celebrate. I don't know if you're a, uh, a basketball fan. Joe Mully is the new basketball coach for the Boston Celtics. And um, last week... Now, forgive me if I get the names wrong because you know how much I just don't care. Kate and William, is that right? Out of England? I don't know. Anyway, they were in Boston and they went to a bat. I thought they did cricket. But anyway, they, they, went to, they went to the game. And after the game, instead of talking about the game, <clears throat> this reporter asked Joe Mully. He says, they said, Joe, what was it like to have the royal family in attendance? And without missing a beat, he said, you mean to tell me Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were here at the Boston Gardens? Because he said, that's the only royal family I know. If you watch it, you should go online and watch it. Interview ends quickly. Interview ends very, very abruptly at that point. Um, the prophecies are amazingly true. But what amazes me in all this is the genealogy. Nobody likes to read the genealogy parts of the Bible, but yet we're sort of fascinated by that, aren't we? I'm 10% Scottish and 50% Irish and whatever, and everybody's doing the DNA test now to find out who we are and, and where we came from. But the truth is, it said that Jesus would come from the line of David. There's the genealogy. But you and I think this is so far removed from reality. I want to help you here. There's probably 700 of you sitting here in this room right now. I only need half of you. And I can go from me all the way back to Adam in all direct lineages. My grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, my grandmother. You work your way. I only need 450 of you to get from me to Adam. See, we have this idea that it's way out there somewhere. Well, I mean, 6,000 years is a big deal. I'll grant you that. But the point is, it's not that far away. And we're all in the line of Adam. We're in the line of David. We're in the line of Jesus himself, which is why we celebrate who we are here. Okay? Because some of you came tonight and you're, well, some of you came under derision. 
Some of you came because somebody said, if you ever want to eat food again, you will come to church. Thank you for coming. Uh, we'll be out of here in an hour. So you'll, you can survive this. Um, you came for different reasons. But the, the truth is, when you look at the historical part, you, you're afraid. You're like, well, I could never be like those people. Church, would you tell people you don't have it all together? Just say, I don't have it all together. No. You might look at us and think, We've got it all together, not even close. What about the lineage of King David? Doesn't that sound impressive? Let's see, David was a liar, an adulterer, a murderer, and arguably had the most dysfunctional family in the Bible. That's Jesus' line. You know who else is in that line? Rahab, who was a prostitute back in Jericho. You see, the line's not pretty. The point is that Jesus was born... Through the lineage of human beings, God in the flesh, and he died for broken people like all of us. And here's what Paul says about where we find ourselves. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or how terrible a sinner you think you are. Or for that matter, how good of a person you might think you can. Can you imagine God's looking down and going, oh man, Joe just gave $10 to charity. I, I'm just so proud of him. Come on. Or to think that I'm so bad that God couldn't love me. How arrogant of you. To think that you can out some of the people in the Bible. No, the truth is the genealogy reminds us that Jesus was born as a human being to rescue all of us. And then the best part to me, it's sad, but it's the winning part, is the part about Jesus being a baby, okay? See, Satan's always hated babies. That's why abortion is such a disaster in our society today. That's why uh, child trafficking, sex trafficking, all of this stuff, because Satan hates children. He always has hated children. And he did everything he could to destroy Jesus. And he'll do everything he can now to destroy you, your marriage, and your family. Anything he can do to get you to not trust Jesus. But let's talk about Herod again. So Herod, and he's been ruling for a long time in Jerusalem. He built all kinds of stuff. But literally, one, he is the, the uh, B.C. Adolf Hitler. He killed everybody. He is a horrible, horrible human being. Okay? And so, very good reason that the angel tells Mary and Joseph to go down to Egypt. And of course, this is going to fulfill the scripture. But Herod puts out this edict to go kill all the babies two years old and younger. Why? Well, because it took two years for the wise men to get there. And they come and say, where is this one born king of the Jews? And Bethlehem, which by the way is seven miles from Jerusalem... But for two years, Jesus has been there, and Herod doesn't know it yet. Not only does he not know about Micah, does he not know about the shepherds, but he's so caught up in his own world, he still doesn't know until they come. Well, how long ago has it been? Well, about two years ago. He puts out the edict. If you were to go to that church that I showed you, the church of the nativity, just on the other side of that cave, there is an entire mass grave of two-year-old boys from the first century. You think that's a coincidence? Please, please feel free to look it up. It's, it's all history. It's all right there for you, just in case you think it's made up. 
But I'm fascinated by this one thing about Herod. Because Herod didn't care about it. And Herod would just kill you. He didn't care. Whether you were a family member or friend, didn't make any difference. And <clears throat> what was it that made Herod so nervous that he made this decision? So when I went to Israel a couple months ago, I made it my mission to find out about camels. All right? Just so you know, I'm on my game. Camels are a horrible animal. They're mean as thunder. They smell terrible. They'll bite you. They'll kick you. But if you're crossing the desert, that's the animal you want. They weigh about a 1,000 pounds. They cost thousands of dollars to buy. And here's what I asked. I said, all right, I know it's not like the Christmas cards. There's not three wise men. I said, can you tell me the story? Didn't even blink. The guy said, oh, I'll tell you the story. He said, first of all, in that time, they would have never traveled in less than a 1,000 camels in a caravan. Because they're coming from the Silk Road. Where did the wise men come from? Well... They came from Persia, because that's where Daniel and Esther were. They came from Saudi Arabia. They probably came from China. They came from all over the east. Took them two years. All right? So they traveled in caravans of a minimum of a thousand camels. Why? Because the Silk Road is the most dangerous place in the world in the first century. Because all the gold, all the silver, all, all of the goods, everything is coming across from China all the way to Rome. It's all coming right across that path. And so robbers and thieves are everywhere. So you travel in large groups. So if you have this idea that there's three wise men bringing a couple of gold coins and chucking them at Jesus' feet. No. Thousand camels and a whole... Entourage. I got news for you. The, the sheiks in Saudi Arabia, you know, they usually don't travel by themselves, do they? They didn't then either. They would have brought a whole entourage. So literally, thousands of people show up in Jerusalem. And they're all looking for this newborn king. Why? They came to worship him. They all came because they believe it. All these people. All these wise men from the east and all their entourages and all the gold and all the frankincense and all the myrrh. And Herod's scared to death. Even Herod can't kill this many people. So what's he do? Puts out the edict to kill the children. Hoping that he'll take out Jesus in the process. Listen, I don't know what your thoughts are about how am I going to honor Jesus. But when I look at these stories... When I look at all the prophecies that were fulfilled, when I look from the beginning of time all the way up through the cross, and I see Jesus being faithful over and over and over again, it leads me to worship. It leads me to celebrate Jesus. So as you go into Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, whatever, whenever your tradition looks like, that you would take time, read Luke 2, Matthew 2, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, Read some of the other prophecies, but have a prayer. Do something to celebrate the fact that it's Jesus' birthday. Let's read this last part together. Ready? Here we go. "'Twas the night before Christmas. God glanced over the earth. He looked to and fro all over its girth. I love that word. They missed it again, he said with a sigh, a heavy heart and a tear in his eye. I gave them my son so they could be free. My greatest gift to them from me. They traded me in for a man in red, a little tree and a horse-drawn sled. How do I save them and make them see? My love is complete. My grace is free. 
How do I help them when all they know is a talking snowman in a box with a bow? Maybe next year they'll stop and see the biggest gift of Christmas is a little child from me.